Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, no, I'm going ahead. Go ahead. Hi, everybody. Hey. This is Brian and Ira from Two Faces Radio. Just wanted to give a quick shout out to our sponsors before we start this podcast. Yes, let's shout it out. We've got Soundwave merch. Um, If you want some high-quality T-shirts for your band or your brand and you don't want to pay high-quality prices with their own in-house facilities, very reasonable to go to Soundwave merch and get some great T-shirts for whatever your needs are. They can do it all. Design, T-shirts, everything. So get your Two Faces Radio t-shirt there, soundwavemerch.com. Also, Sangfroid Web Design. In the age of technology, your website is perhaps the most crucial statement that your company can make. At Sangfroid Web Design, we understand the importance of creating a professional web presence at a reasonable price. Love reasonable That's prices. That's most important. And we specialize in working with a small business owner to accomplish this goal. So visit uh, that site today for a free quote. That's uh, www.sangfroidwebdesign.com sangfroidwebdesign.com which you can find on our homepage and as always save it for for the the show. show this is Steve Gorman from the Black Crows and uh we are here together listening to Two Faces Radio I am ready to roll. Um, all right. Who am I kidding? I'm not going to refer to it. I know everything. It's all right in there. It's all, yeah, it's oh, all yeah. in the noggin. Um, welcome, everybody. Welcome. Two Faces Radio episode number, was this, 49? Episode 49, yeah. Um, and uh, I want to welcome you to the big Steve Gorman interview. The Steve Gorman special. The Steve Gorman special. Done by Brian. We are here before the actual interview itself yes. to explain a little bit how this all came together. Yes, and uh, this is kind of funny because we don't normally do this like just you and I. So I don't. Has it ever been just the two of us sitting here and um, not on a full podcast, for a stretch of? But time. we're not even doing a full podcast. Yeah, I know. But all right, we're just like doing a, a little introduction here. We're going to try to keep it short before uh, we play the Brian McClenning, Steve Gorman. Yes, and, and for interview. those people who may not be familiar, Steve Gorman is the drummer from the Black Crows. And also for people who are not familiar, Brian's favorite band <laughs> That's what I was gonna ever, say. <laughs> <laughs> the band that he worships, is yes. the Black Crows. Black Crows is my favorite so band. So I was going to say, if, you know, I don't know who your favorite band is, but, you know, let's say you were into uh, Zeppelin. This would be like, you know, you being able to interview Bonham and, right. or, or uh, you know, any, anything like that that and i'll tell you what it, i was listening to the interview and it while it's just in my head there's a lot of things i'm going to say about okay. the interview in the next five minutes or, yeah. so here, or uh, 10 minutes but i'm i'm almost glad that you interviewed gorman instead of like the robinson brothers <laughs> right i almost feel like you got a better like the questions that you wanted to ask about the black crows right maybe have maybe were better answered by maybe. gorman yeah i think you're right i think he's a little bit more sure well from what it seems like, and I don't really know, but it, it sounds like Rich is not as forthcoming, and he seems pretty well, quiet. No, I mean, I'm not even going to speculate and the then, way those right. guys' personalities are. Right. I just feel like, yeah, those two guys are out front. Chris and Rich Robinson yeah. are like the main guys in the band, and they're out front and everything. Gorman, all right, you want to say, even though he's been with the band forever, and the, but he took a break, but, you know, whatever, he's kind of literally and, you know, in the back of, of everything, watching right. everything go on. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, 
and he's obviously very personable. And well, and a lot of people call him the third brother, you know. Right. Like, and I, I think you're right. I think I was going to say, you know, I think the perception might be, you know, I'm also a guitar player, songwriter, you know, that maybe I'd really want to interview Chris or Rich. And, yeah. you know, that's fair. But I have to say, any of those guys, <clears throat> any of those three, because they're original members, you know, because they're from the inception of the band, or, gen- you know, pretty much the inception of the band, um, I think they're kind of equally like a get for for, for, for me, right, for somebody for who's a fan like yeah. I am. And uh, um, Well, first of all, let me be the first to say this. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank I listened you. to the interview today, and I was yeah. specifically waiting, right, to listen to it. You, you went to, you, you did this interview. What was it been like two weeks ago now? It's been a few weeks. I did it the uh, two weeks before, two weekends before Thanksgiving. Right. Um, now, without saying too much before you do the whole introduction, how right. it came about. You know, we were originally going to come in here with the interview, right? And me, you, and Tim were going to listen to it together, right? As the podcast, right? And we were going to like stop it every once in a while right. and break your balls right. about how horrible you were doing. I was excited, or was how ready. nervous you were, or, <laughs> right. or blah blah blah. Right, right. Now I will say, you know, yeah. beginning of the interview, yeah, you were obviously a little nervous, yeah. But I'll tell you what, that I think that subsided very quickly, you probably so? a lot okay. quicker than you. Th- think it did and maybe it came off better than i felt right like it did. yeah and i'll tell you what i mean the interview as a whole man I, th- I think you hit all of the everything you wanted to add it seems like anybody that would be a huge fan of a certain band yeah you asked like you know i'd say 90 percent of like the killer questions that anybody would want to ask one of their favorite right. bands. i mean the funny thing was i said to you before i didn't bring my notebook and i wanted to bring my notebook I was debating whether I would bring it or not yeah. at any point in doing this. But, um, you know, I had so many things written down that I didn't get to. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't know if we, I don't know how we're going to do this, uh, you know. But I would I would like to say the one thing I felt like, the information that he gave. If yeah. you're a big fan of the Black Crows, I think there's great stuff to listen to. To listen to him talk. He's a great talker, great storyteller, and all that stuff. So I think there's plenty of good stuff there. But even if you're I not. don't know, and even if you're not, yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, the the way the interview goes, you know, I, first of all, I want to keep make sure if you're listening now, definitely stay till the end. You know, I, I'm sure you'll be riveted the way I was. But it does get better the more it goes on, right? Um, it and it up. went by quick. You know, I mean, it's okay, a good, good what yeah. hour and a half interview. It's probably. I mean, we might cut this into two separate podcasts. So yeah, so stay tuned. I don't know how we're going to do it. Head to tail, it's probably about an hour and twenty minutes. But I think right. that even includes a little of the bullshitting, and, right? And you know, whatever. It went quick for me. I was good. like, oh, that's it. Good. Okay. So, uh, well, he listen. He's great. He couldn't have been better. You know, yeah. he couldn't. You don't have to give him much, and then boom, he's gone. Yeah. You know, and he can just go. He's a great storyteller. But not boring either. Not I mean, boring. He, he at had all. great stories, and he really yeah. answered your questions the way you wanted him to and hmm. in many right. ways well let's um in the interest so of just getting to what we getting need to, to get it. to here yeah um you very briefly just tell everybody how this came about very briefly basically it started you know clearly the black crows were coming to town i, I was like well i'm gonna take my shot roll the dice see if i can get in contact with somebody went to, to, the web- to come on the podcast to come on the let's podcast explain to people yeah. that's what we're talking about and yeah, to come on the podcast, you know, we, we go after people who come in town and, and try to make contact and see if they'll come on the podcast. It just so happens that I've noticed the last few times they come to town, there's usually like a gap of time in, off 
like a week off in so their schedule. Kids have some time. So I thought well, maybe yeah, there's some time. Not? So I couldn't find anything as far as like contacting the band, like a real good way to get to the band. So on their website, they have a thing called "What's Wrong with What's Wrong with Steve." Steve Gorman, the drummer, yeah. answers people's questions, all sorts of questions. They'll ask him love advice, right, you know, right. career advice, band stuff. They'll ask him about his time in in Atlanta, and he's hilarious. He answers them. They're funny. They're really enjoyable. He also does it on his podcast. Yeah. He has a podcast called Steve Gorman. Sports. But you didn't <laughs> you didn't know that at the time. You I didn't. I did oh. know that. Yeah. Oh, you I did I've listened. That. Yeah, I've listened to his podcast. But at the time you were just trying to get anybody you could anybody from the band. It wasn't I just could. Gorman. You were right. just okay. So well, no, as it first was, I was trying to get anybody. And then when I noticed the What's Wrong with Steve segment, which I had known about, yeah. I thought, well, this was back they were coming to town in November. This was back in like June. Yeah. And I thought if I'm going to get somebody like these guys in here, I've got to get started on this right. right away, get all the semantics taken care of. So I thought, well, I know that he's – it seems like he's answering these emails. It seems like his sense of humor and all that stuff. So I figured I'm just going to go ahead and email him. And so I sent what I thought was a pretty funny – you know, and actually sure. he does mention the email a little bit on uh, in the interview. But yeah. So I basically sent him an interview that basically said, "Hey, an you're a pod, an email. You're an e- you're a podcaster. We do a podcast. It's a music related podcast. I'm a fan of the band. I'm coming to see you in DC. I'm going to see you right. again in Atlanta the next week. And would you be interested if you had the time to come on the show? You took a shot. I took a shot, and it, it wasn't exactly like that. I tried to be kind of humorous, but I'm just telling you the basics. <laughs> So I took the shot. I think your humor might not translate. I don't know if it'll come come through here, but yeah. So anyhow, I um. So I I emailed him. I emailed him, and I basically forgot about it. You know that that was it. Like a, right. I didn't hear from him for about a week, two weeks, and I just was like, well, I guess I'm not going to hear from him. Right. And it was literally about a month later. Yeah. I was cleaning my pool, and your, I uh, your pool my pool. Oh, sounded like you said poo. My pool. And I was trying to be fancy because it's not clear. You've been to my house. <laughs> we know what this pool is situation is. Just step above a little blow-up kiddie pool. <laughs> right. So anyhow, um, I was cleaning my pool, and I was out, you know, outside doing all this shit. And I just, whatever, I was changing the music on my iPhone and went decided to just check my email real quick, click on the email, look at it. There it is. Steve Gorman. Response. Response from uh, Steve Gorman. I was like, holy shit. So I opened it up, and it was real brief. Steve Gorman from the Black Rose (laughs) emailed me. (laughs) He was thinking about me (laughs) for just that moment While he was typing. Just that moment in time. (laughs) And it started with Brian. Brian. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Did he spell your name right? (laughs) With a Y? Very good. Anyhow, so it was real brief. It was just like. Yeah, sure. Don't see why not. Yeah. You know, um, give me a link to your show. I'd like to check it out. Nice. So at that point, I'm just like, that's kind of cool enough. Like yeah. he's emailed me. He, even you know, if he, it doesn't happen. He's going to check out the show. Even if we can't work it right. all out, cool. And again, <clears throat> this is a month has gone by. I had completely He probably heard my it. voice and said, I'm not coming to the fucking <laughs> show. So then, you know, <clears throat> all the de- everything past that was basically me just trying to contact him and kind of still see can this happen? Can this happen? Kind of thing. Right. And um, you tried I mean, not to badger him. I tried not to badger him. I think I sent him something right after that said, awesome. Here's the link. Really excited for you to just check out the show. Huge fan. Boom, boom. 
There you go. Right. So, again, I don't hear from him for about a month. So now we're like August, mid-August, you know. Yeah. And, again, now it's like September, October, November, three months. And I'm thinking, I've got to have this set up at least a month in advance, yeah. you know. So um, I decided, well, it's been about a month. You know, I haven't heard anything. And I think I got something again from him. And it was just kind of like, uh, how do we do this? Do you guys go mobile? Blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah, and all this stuff. So, long story short, all right, good. if I can't do that, which which I've already blown. <laughs> right, so go. We got, it, we got yeah. it all worked out, and it just unfortunately happened where he had more f- available time in D.C. And than you were Atlanta. going to the D.C. show and anyway. And I was going to the D.C. show anyways. Right. So, I reluctantly, at first, I wasn't even really interested in doing that. Because he did put that out there in one yeah. of the emails, and I was kind of like, well, we'd rather do it here. Right. Bottom line, my, my partner, my... My partner. My co host isn't coming with me to the concert in DC. <laughs> that would be me, folks. Right. I'm his co host. <laughs> You're my co host. Yeah. So, yeah, so then I, after that, then you and I talked about He was like, it looks like I'm not going to be able to do Atlanta. My time's just filling right. up there. He said that. It's yeah. going to have to be DC if, we, if we're going to do it. Well, you blew me away that, you know, you came to me one day and said, well, listen, I can interview him in DC, but you're not going to be there, so forget about it. I was like, right. are you out of your fucking mind? <laughs> Look, we have, a, you know, we have a portable recorder. You go there and I you know. interview him yourself. Yeah, I don't yeah. care whether I'm there or not. Yeah, I know. But, well, you know, the, the bottom line for me was this. You didn't want to hurt I'm the integrity not, of our show. Want, we've got a show. We've got a format. And I'm not an interviewer. You're like, I'm not going there to interview him. You yes, know, you are. You're an interviewer. Uh, well, you're a regular Barbara Walters. You are. <laughs> <laughs> well, Steve. Well, Iowa, that's very nice of you to say. Guaman. Guaman? Mr. Guaman. Is it Mr. Guaman or Mr. Guaman? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just don't think of myself as like some interviewer. I'm certainly not somebody right. who's going to go get a job at Rolling Stone or do right. anything. You know, I... That's a whole different other ballgame. I don't want to put myself in that right. category. We come in here. We get these guys in here. We call it an interview, but we're hanging out. Right. We try to come up with some interesting stuff we're that doing we want to know. We're doing a radio show. We're doing a radio show. Right. So sort of. the whole vibe was going to be totally different. And then once you were like, just fucking do it, I was yeah. like, yeah, I'm stupid. I gotta, I'm just going to have to do it. Of course. Basically. And um, so we did it. So, well, but, so you went to D.C. So I went to D.C. with no confirmation of where, when, anything right, like that. Right, but you had the recorder with you. If he called, he called. If not, if not. Exactly. You were still going to the show. Yep. And, and I then, think, in fact, the night before I left, I texted him. I uh, Sorry, I emailed him just that. I said, listen, wherever, whenever, I'm here from this time to this time. You let me know. I'm coming prepared. Right. That's and then it. the funny thing is. Funny thing is. He contacted you. He calls me. Calls you the day of. The day of the show. Yeah. Saturday afternoon, me and my buddies. Now, the other funny thing was is I was kind of – I had gotten sick Friday night, uh, Friday. So I was really kind of like not in great, you know, I don't know. I was a little bit off Don't, don't worry mentally. about that. Just, But so he calls me. We're yeah. just like going down to – I went to school in D.C. So my buddies and I were going to ch- check out our old campus and stuff. And we're headed down there, and I get a phone call. And Steve Gorman, I was like, holy shit. So um, that was said, pretty cool, and he was really mellow. Yeah, but he, he like, said, "I'm going to come to your hotel." He says, "How are we going to?" Well, he was like, "How do you want to do this?" And I was like, "Well, <clears throat> I said I don't know. I'll come where wherever you are. Where are you staying? We talked about where we were both staying." He's like, you know, "I said I'm about a mile from the venue." Yeah. So he's like, "You know what? It's a beautiful day outside. I want to get some fresh air. I'll come to you." So he walked over. For I'm sure. pretty sure he walked over. I mean, obviously, yeah. he was staying pretty close to you. <clears throat> no, he was staying in Georgetown. So how far Which is that is, walk? I mean. I don't know, probably half 
hour or so. Yeah. All right. Nice. So I thought, you know, um, I think he walked, but he can't. So, yeah, I know. Bri- well, when Brian calls in, I'm here in Atlanta you right. know, during this whole thing. Right. Brian's calling me. He's like, so he's like, Gorman called me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm and he's, such a he's, bag, man. He's, he's, <laughs> what is my problem? No, it was Why fine. Why can't I just sit down? Look, you down. were excited. I was in the middle of doing something, <laughs> you know, down here. Right. And, uh, you know, and I'm trying to talk to you about it, but I, ca- I remember I kept having to call you back because I was in the middle of some shit. Yeah. And, uh,. You know, I was excited for you, right? And you're like, he's coming to, he's coming to my hotel. He's coming to my hotel room to do the interview. <laughs> I was like, no like, shit, what the fuck? Uh, so I'll stories. cut you off there, and I'm just gonna say that um, I found it very entertaining. I thought you were very professional. You had some uh, initial nervousness. You, you'll, yeah. you know, we're about to play this interview in a second here, so stay tuned. So you'll see. Yeah. Uh, you know, Brian's a little nervous at the beginning, but uh, you know, it's kind of talking fast, and yeah. I know you're just trying to get everything in and get yeah. set up, and you were worried about the recording. You can tell that, but I'd, I'd say it wasn't more than ten minutes, and you kind of just fell into your normal mode, like as if we were hanging out here. I thought. Yeah. I don't know, and I thought, you know, you're hanging out with them. I mean, uh, you know, there was a few times where you you went on and on a little bit, and right. you know. That I'm sure you were worried about, but <laughs> no, I mean I think it was it was good, it was concise, and you guys had a good rapport together, and blah blah blah. Yeah. And before I get in, I wrote a few things down that I was just going to comment on, even though yeah, people have not heard or anybody listening right now has not heard this interview yet. I figured I would just um, <laughs> <laughs> bring up a few things. Go ahead, and then it. and then you'll remember, right? You know, while you're listening, oh yeah, Ira brought this up, you know, <laughs> blah blah blah. And but before I do that. Um, I also realized that since this is an interview with one of the members of the Black Crows, it's possible that we do have a lot of new listeners right now that has not that have not heard Two Faces Radio before. Yes. Uh, I should have said this at the beginning. But um, welcome if this is your first time listening. And normally we have people playing uh, live in the studio, and then we interview them. Right. And then we have them play a few tunes. Right. And uh, look, if you like what you hear today, go back and, and listen to all of our podcasts. Yeah, you can get them all on iTunes, all for free. You can download them. You can listen to them. You can go to our website and listen to them. Um, we have a Facebook page. We have Twitter. We have the whole nine yards. Um, get Immerse yourself into our world as much as you. Join us. As much as you can. Yes. All right. Well, I'm not getting into a whole promo for our show. I right. just wanted to mention that real quick. Got it. I figured there might be some people listening that have not listened Hopefully, to that's previously. the hope. So, all right. First thing on, uh, <laughs> you'll notice, <laughs> right when Brian sits down, they start talking a little bit, and Brian says, I feel like I should call you Mr. Gorman. <laughs> 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 and he proceeds that with, even though we're almost the same age. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I should call you Mr. Gorman. And then... The funny thing is, Gorman doesn't really say, oh, no, don't do that. He right. was like, he was just like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I, I totally know. expected him to be like, please call me Steve. You right, know? right. No. But he didn't. Yeah, he was just like, well, yeah, I wasn't. I don't know. Well, you, you'll listen for that. Well, the funny fun. thing, let me just say but one thing But this was still at that. a point where Brian was still kind of nervous. Oh, and yeah. I feel like if you hadn't been that nervous, you wouldn't have even said that. Right. Well, the funny thing, here's how that all came about. We had already been emailing back right. and forth, and now he had called me. You know, we had talked on the phone, and all the while, you know, it's Steve, 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 you know, whatever. And then all of a sudden, like, I'm there in front of him, and I just got like, well, you were who starstruck. The fuck am I calling you him were Steve? Star- you were yeah, starstruck. It's like, yeah, yeah, I got a little bit like, 
I need to show a little bit more respect here. Like, I'm not his buddy. Like, he doesn't know me from anywhere. And I, I felt like I all of a sudden needed to be, like, more respectful and take it to you another level. You could have done level. Steven. <laughs> Steven? <laughs> Stevie right. Vaughn. Um, and then, you know, still in this early peri- right. period, um, <laughs> Brian mentioned something. He's like, I, I mean, at least you addressed it. You said... You know, uh, I am kind of nervous and blah, 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 blah. Right. And then Steve goes, yeah, I noticed your hands were shaking. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, yeah, I know. And then Steve says something like, um, uh, yeah, you're like breaking into a full flop sweat. <laughs> now that he was just good. I know he was, but it was funny, you know. And But you were still in that kind of nervous mode. Like I couldn't even roll with it. Or right. Joke it I know. Right. Yeah. And I could tell uh, you were just terrible. like, oh, God, am I? Oh, oh, Jesus, am I? I'm not. Do they know that I'm not? You know, and then, yeah. you know, another part of the – uh, you know, then you start going into which, you know, you started mentioning how I used to, uh, you know, work for a radio right, station. Totally like, blew he it. He used to work for 680. And, you know, and I'm, I'm like 640. <laughs> and I knew it. As soon as it came out of my mouth, I knew it. But then I was like, uh, I could fix it. But who is going to know? All right. So you guys start talking, um, which was I thought was really cool. You know, you just mentioned how Steve has, a, has his own podcast. Right. And the whole, you know, the beginning of the interview, you guys are just talking about podcasting in general, right. which, you know, look. I think is a great subject, obviously, because I'm a podcaster. Yeah. But, you know, you guys had something in common. Yeah. And uh, it was interesting. And I like talking about podcasting. Yeah. I do think it's, you know, one of the greatest mediums out there right now. And I think it will be in the future. And um, I thought that was cool. And then he mentioned how his co I mean, I don't, I haven't listened to his podcast, but his <clears throat> right. co-host. Yeah. Was a, is actually like a fan of his that like wrote him or something? Yeah. It was this guy, Mitch. Um, this this buddy Brandon is part of it too, but that's yeah. his friend. And then this guy Mitch, that he sort of I'm going to take it as a compliment. <laughs> yeah. He said this guy Mitch um, had heard him on his radio show. Right. He, he had. Well, you'll hear. He explains right. he had an actual radio show. And he basically was like, I know about podcasting. I think you'd be great for pod. He sent him like a humorous email. Right. And like he did. said, much like you did, you yeah. know, kind of thing. And he just kind of responded to it, and well, they hit it off, and he helped him He helped him get it started. And then he became his co-host, And then right? he became his co-host. And I'm thinking about that. And so I'm nah. listening to that part. Yeah, right. And I'm thinking about what's going on in your head. You're yeah. like, motherfucker. Fucking A. If I would have contacted him, <laughs> I would be his co-host right now. Well, I'm assuming that guy's in Nashville, so. Well, yeah, I know, but I still. Know. But, yeah. That, that's I exactly know, right? what I was thinking. And I was thinking, what if something ever happened to that guy, you know, like where he couldn't. <laughs> podcast anymore i mean you think you could lobby to am i you think i think I'm next you would line? move to Na- i think you would move your family to nashville if you were offered the job of if co-host. i was offered that yeah i would definitely move my family to nashville really? no of course i wouldn't i've got my own podcast here what are you kidding me <laughs> steve we'll talk later yeah that's real now i actually now i know you're bullshit yeah what you actually what i was gonna say i actually thought about um well that's another part just before we get going with this, when you finish this, I want to tell the next day thing. Jeez, really? Yeah. You just know, we're already like a half hour. I in. know that's us. I know. Well, it's me. Look, just bear with us. We are going to play this Gorman <laughs> we interview. Promise, in just a Gorman second, interview is right? coming. But there's a few things I wanted to get to here. Um, Go shoot. All right, I wanted to ask you about this. Okay. You brought up watching Forrest Gump. Yes. Uh, and I don't know how or why, but you'll right. hear it in the in the interview. I know and exactly then, how. Okay. Well, don't. Uh, I won't tell. People are here. Yeah. And then. Uh, Gorman brings up being there. Being there. There. See, this is answering my question. Do okay. you know what being there is? Being there? Yeah, being there. A movie? Yes. Is that the one about Bob Dylan? No, no, no. no. Uh, that's on that. Okay. Or I'm not there. 
But oh, the, okay. it was a, it's a funny little moment. Just listen okay. for it because All right. I, I mean I, I missed. I'm it. trying not to sound like a movie nerd here, you know, like a. But being there is kind of a classic movie from I guess uh, like the '60s or '70s. Okay, you know, with um, Peter Sellers. Peter Sellers. Okay, and uh, so it, it, Gorman was was comparing Forrest Gump <laughs> to being there, and right. he was like, "It's essentially the same movie." You know, it's just like being there. <laughs> and you said something like, it is like being there. <laughs> but but I knew. I clearly didn't know. I knew. You know, I'm the only one that knew. You know, Brian doesn't know that movie, Being There. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know. No, I was probably saying, like, I know. it isn't like being there. Or I don't remember what it exactly was. You just agreed there. with him. Yeah, right. But not knowing what you were agreeing right, with him. Yeah, you know, exactly. you were just like, it is like being there. I don't there. think I knew. <laughs> I clearly didn't know he was referring to a movie. To a, exactly. And oh, look, I, I'm just breaking your balls a little bit. But I... Right. I was listening to that, and I'm like, you know what? Brian doesn't even know he's no. talking about a movie. I didn't even know he mentioned right, a movie. Right, right. So you'll listen for that. It's kind of funny. I, now I want to go back and listen right, to that. Right, right. <laughs> because he's, you know, he's like, yeah, you know, Forrest Gump is just like being there. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> See, I thought he was, okay. I think what I'm thinking is that he was like, everybody was telling him that or something. He was saying, I, I guess I'm totally confused. I think my Unless thought I'm was fucking that up, and he, he really was, no, no, he wasn't no. referencing the movie. You're probably correct. He, okay, but I felt like he. I think my impression was that he was saying like everybody was saying it's just like being there, right? And I was like, yeah, like it's nothing like being there, like like right. being there through those events. You're reliving those events from through the movie, and I was like. Yeah, right. it's nothing that's, like that, and yeah. that's what you were thinking in your head, right. where he was just referencing. And I the didn't movie. know the movie. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that's an that's a good. It was one. a deeper conversation. It was for deeper you. than I knew. <laughs> no, it was less. Deep. Oh, it was less deep than I knew. <laughs> <laughs> you thought it was deeper. It was more shallow. Um, all right. So, as, as as many of our listeners know, we are fans. We're fans of another great radio. The Atlanta radio show, The Regular Guys. Right. And, oh, uh, yeah. There's I a know g- what you're going to know. Really? I don't know. All right, Go let ahead. me see if you think you know it. I don't think you're going to get this. Okay. Um, one of the one of the guys on The Regular Guys, the people that are listening to this right now that are fans of The Regular Guys I already know, is Southside Steve. And they, yes. they have Southside Steve interview all the – if they can't get somebody in the studio and it's like a interview outside, you know, off – their right. normal time they have Southside Steve interview the big stars usually a movie star or something yeah. and they break Southside Steve's balls about his interviewing technique right and his interviewing technique is horrible I mean it's but funnily Listen, horrible I'll put myself in his same group because I, I don't well, know that there's any technique no, there. I mean <laughs> look it, it doesn't matter the, the right. funny, but one of the things that they break his balls about yeah. is he'll ramble on and on uh, asking um, quote unquote a question but it ends up not being a question. A question in the end. It's right, just yeah. a statement. I don't believe and then you just wait for the the guy you're interviewed to react. Right. You know what I mean? And there, I, I'm, I think it happened a few times during the Gorman interview that you did sure. it. But there was one where you just said, you said something like, well, my buddy said that you're the, has always said you're the best musician in that band. Right. But you went on and on for a while. You're like, oh, my buddy always said that. Right. You are the best musician in right. that band. And you just left it at that. Yeah. And that's. <laughs> I was waiting for his it's reaction. It's a pretty tough spot. It's a tough spot because yeah. what is he supposed to say to that? You know, know. That's not a question. It's not a question. It's a statement that if you say anything about it, you're at the risk of sounding like a dick. Well, well I yeah. am. I hear you. The best. But you know what's funny, though? is It's funny. I'm kind of surprised you didn't mention this one. What? Going kind of a lot like... Going along with the thought of how would you answer that or how would you respond to that, I guess, would be better. Yeah. 
earlier when he first starts the podcast and and we're talking about podcasting he talks about how he studied broadcasting or whatever yeah. and he says something at some he's like i've always known i have a good voice or <laughs> i've got a really good voice and i yeah, just yeah. thought that was like it was so matter of fact yeah, you know yeah, it was yeah. it was like great but also like wow you know yeah. <laughs> it, it sounds like it should have been arrogant but doesn't really but it didn't come off as yeah, arrogant yeah. yeah it was a funny thing well you guys will hear it okay um so anyway, you pulled a Southside Steve is what I was trying oh, to say. Listen, I was. I'm south sure it happened a bunch of times, but that one stood out to me. I was. I was South Side. I was South of Southside Steve. <laughs> you were Southern Side Brian. Yeah. Right. Um, oh, and then he talked about. I'm just going to bring this up real quick. Yeah. But you'll probably want to talk about it for a while because there was there was a show that our band did uh, down in I guess it was in Valdosta. And, uh, We're going to have a whole podcast before this interview. <laughs> well, yeah. This, uh, I know. We're going to have to release the actual interview next week. Separate. Yeah. yeah I know. Go ahead. Uh, we're the whole band. We were doing a show in, I guess we were in Valdosta or something. Right. And then we were all in the hotel room before the show, and all the whole band fell asleep. We all took naps. Oh, God. Right. <laughs> we all, you know, which is... <laughs> I didn't tell this story, though, did I? No. Okay. I'm, I'm just saying. Um we all just took naps, but you know, normal bands are down there. They're drinking, they're partying, they're out there. Looking it was for the jigs. second night we were going to be Look, playing. Don't the second it. night, don't we had partied it. the night before. Stop it! We were napping from the <laughs> night before. <laughs> we were taking Come a on. Nap. the whole band was taking a nap. We in the took hotel. a nap, and then, but then I wasn't feeling well, so uh, <laughs> you know, I was something again I ate. from partying the night well, before. And then Mark and I were going to go down to the venue for some reason, but right. leave all you guys there at the hotel room. And then I went out to the parking lot, and I threw up, like, as soon as I got outside the door, right. you know, in the parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody in the hotel room, the rest of the van could see me, you know. And, uh, right through that. Mark, but Mark goes, hey, Ira just threw up, you know, out in the parking lot. And I'm are you like, you all right? I'm like, yeah. And then I said, I felt fine after that. <laughs> and I go, how rock and roll is that? <laughs> Throwing up in the parking lot. I threw the up hotel in the parking lot, lot before, baby, the, before, gig, before baby. the gig. How rock and roll is that? <laughs> and Brian goes, Yeah, right after your rock and roll nap. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, it reminded me because there was a point during this interview where they were talking about, he was talking about playing with Jimmy Page, right? Yeah. And he took a nap before the gig. Yes. And look, it has nothing to do with this interview, but it just reminded me of that. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I wonder if Brian was thinking about the I'm rock and roll. I'm sure I was. Because, um, you know, he, because Gorman was like, and I, you know, that's out of character for me. Oh, no, no, no. No, he no, said no that was, that was he's, he, now it's out of character. Right, he right, said right. ever since I had kids. Right, he, right, right. I don't. But he said he used to nap before the gig all the time. Yeah. And I was like, well, I guess rock and roll naps are pretty rock they and roll. They are pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're pretty rock and roll. <laughs> and then, all right, just uh, one more thing here. So he... Towards the end of the interview, he talks about when they were first getting kind of big and yeah. getting kind of famous. You yeah. Know? And then he was talking about how he wasn't really recognized, obviously. He's the right. drummer. But Chris was being recognized all I, over the place. Uh, what? Do you know what I'm going to say? This did not come out well. Yeah. No, go no. Ahead. You were fine. Oh, was I? Well, uh, no. It's more of a – this is going to be more of – all right. So <laughs> – <laughs> This whole thing is so ridiculous. I know it is. But – uh so st you'll hear. I'm not going to get into the story because I want you to listen to it. Yeah. You will listen to it, and it's a good story just about Chris being recognized. Yeah. Chris Robinson being starting to get famous and being right. recognized all around town, and you know him not, um, which was fine with him, obviously. Yeah. But he was just talking about it, and then Brian says something like, "Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm <laughs> used to that," or you know, my my singer, which is me, fault right, um, is always recognized because he's the singer, right? Um, too nobody. <laughs> 
But it's true. Like other bands, other people around town, like everybody yeah. will know Who's you. Who's recognizing me? <laughs> he was talking about Chris Robinson. <laughs> You don't think there's just as many people noticing you here in town <laughs> at Northside Tavern? Oh, <laughs> you know, the problem is I teach my kids to make connections with their stories. Yeah. So I was just trying to make a connection. <laughs> my very popular singer. Yeah, we have the same problem. <laughs> same problem. Uh, so listen, listen for that. And it's not going to be that funny when you hear it. But now that we've brought that up maybe it'll be funny maybe you'll start cracking your ass up you know here's one interesting thing about him and i've noticed this from listening to his podcast as well (laughs) he is funny i think he's a funny guy very quick-witted very you know good in conversation there was a couple things that i thought that i stuck in you know like this will be a good little connection to your story like seriously like hey you know You were trying to get in with him. Right. One in particular, when he talks about, uh, we're talking about, you know, you just know when it works, when it fits with somebody, when you got that thing that locks, and you know when it doesn't. Right. And I told the story about the drummer taking the oh, shirt yeah, off. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is funny to me. Now, to us. he enjoyed the story. And he... Visually, but he doesn't laugh. Right. He doesn't really ever laugh. And I've heard it on his show. Like he yeah. had one of the guys from Kids on the Hall, Kids right. in the Hall, on recently, right. who he's good friends with, and you know, and that guy was being, you know, all kooky right. and whatever. And uh, he just doesn't laugh. Right. But he he's engaged. Right. But that doesn't come through. Right. Right. So it sounds like I tell a couple things, and it's just like you get nothing. You got and nothing. I'm hearing from the him. crickets. And yeah, I yeah, got yeah. nothing from him. But you know, sitting but there, just like, trust Brian in that hotel room. Trust me, I felt like the conversation. Gorman was, was entertained, and he right. was with it him. Seemed, it seemed. Uh, it felt different. You all know, right. Well, maybe sounds. We'll leave you with that, and uh, <clears throat> we're gonna, we'll. Uh, Le- here, here comes the interview. It, what? Well, let me tell you one brief thing. Okay. This was actually pretty cool. I felt like this is a story that comes, um, you know, based on the in the interview. You know, we already talked about him taking the naps before shows, and the basic premise is that Jimmy Page is like, "Hey, man, you know, Jimmy Page was nervous before shows <clears throat> after all those years of playing, right?" So he was kind of talking about that. We were joking about that afterwards. Oh, and I, I know what you're going to bring up. So yeah. when he first walked into the hotel room, he was like, hey, this is the Washington Hilton. He's like, I think some pretty famous shit went on down here, you know, maybe some Watergate tapes or something like that. And we were kind of discussing things. And I told him how I last year of college lived across the street from Watergate. Pretty cool, you know, very historical. Right. So that's the end of that conversation. Basically, we get into the interview. We talk afterwards blah 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 next day show's over everything i'm headed back with my buddies on the metro to the airport and all of a sudden i get a text (laughs) from steve gorman (laughs) holy shit and i'm like what the fuck so so funny enough he says to me in the text he says it just says ronald reagan was shot at the washington hilton (laughs) and you know whatever 1980 right so i was just so i'm like of course you know this is like my new big star, you know, and I'm doing the quotation marks, friend, right? You know, yeah, like, yeah. I want, you know, hey, you know, maybe right. he'll come on the show again, you know, whatever. <laughs> we have so a rapport now. We've got a rapport, you know. Yeah. So he's texting me. So this is a big return text here. Can't fuck this up, you know. Oh, yeah. 
So, it's you know, quite of course a, bit, my buddies it's quite there. a big matzo ball hanging out. It's a big out matzo ball hanging yeah. out. I can't fuck this up, you know. Right. So, I don't know what I did. I, th- I think I just basically texted something like, you know, I think sounds sounds like Jimmy Page is right. You know, like, uh, no, I said, you play this huge rock and roll. I'm blowing this whole thing. You play this yeah, killer rock and roll show, you know, sold out crowd, you know, Washington, yeah. D.C. You got another sold out show coming in tonight. And that's still eating at you. Yeah. So you know, that's what you texted that's back. That's what to I him. texted back. So Did you have to be so elaborate? So he texts back to me. Actually, I thought of it. He goes, actually, I thought of it, remembered it during the gig. Oh. And I texted back to him. I was like, Jimmy Page is right. You know, you don't get nervous enough before the show or something right, like right, that. Right, right, right. So that's so, pretty uh, good, though. So that was all pretty good. Right. That was, But that, I just thought that was a – I felt like afterwards – he spent all that time. At any time during right. this interview, he could have been like, hey, I got to go. So I think in general, I think he had a pretty decent time hanging out, talking. Right. And then the fact that he kind of made that first next contact afterwards, I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. So I think. Look, really cool. You'll get that from this interview. Yeah, you'll I think hear you'll get the vibe. Steve I mean, is a really cool guy. He is, yeah. Bottom line is he's really And I think really he really enjoyed back. talking to you. You know, I think he recognized that you're a fellow podcaster and, you know, you're I'm sure he has a zillion fans of of the crows coming up to him asking him all kinds of shit right but you know it sounded like he was into kind of sitting down and i mean shit this is uh what an hour and 20 minutes is that what we said yeah this interview and he didn't sound like he was trying to get the fuck out of there no i mean listen and he to be honest the time when he left yeah we're talking like he's probably gonna get right over there and sound check right so he had any time he could have looked at that phone and been like "Ooh, looks like i gotta go so You know, and, and he even, didn't. And even walking out, you know, he told me another cool story about Dave Grohl. And you know, like I said, he wasn't rushing out of there, so right. he was really cool, really right. laid back, and um, it was a hell of a lot of fun. All right, good. Um, is there anything else I needed to say before uh, <laughs> before we got into this? Before we droned on. Yeah, I know. Well, I know we've been talking our asses. So off what here. are we going to do? We're going to release this in two parts, or what? Yeah, well, at this point, yeah, yeah, we'll have to. So or you enjoy this now and, and listen. It, uh, it'll probably cut off. I'll, I'll just pick a good point to kind of end it for this part one. Right. And then uh, I'll release part two probably like a day later or something. Yeah. Um, so stick around. Listen, it's, it's, it's good. You did a wonderful job. All right. So Brian and I have done a lot of saving it for the show right now. A lot of saving it for the show. We've saved a lot. Yeah. We've saved too much for the show. I hope we didn't do too much. I think there's a lot of good stuff to listen to. He's very entertaining. Yes. All Enjoy right. it. Enjoy the interview. And as Enjoy we always it. like to say, save, save it for, for the, the show. show. All right. So we're officially rolling, whatever that exactly means. Um, well, so, you know, I, Steve, first of all, let me say again, you know, thanks so much for doing this. I really appreciate you taking some time out. Certainly. I know we've been going back and forth. And actually, it's kind of funny. I was Now that I'm sitting here with you and we talked a little bit on the phone earlier and uh, I remember you calling. I was like, hey, Steve, and now that I'm actually sitting with you, I feel like I should start calling you Mr. Gorman. I don't know why. I mean, we're not even that different uh, age-wise, but um, <laughs> I'm, whatever I don't, I don't I don't need anyone to ever call me Mr. Gorman. But, you know, I'm old enough now where suddenly I don't stop people. Right. It's so, like... Yeah, you know, I'm 45. Everything in my lower body hurts all the time. So right. if you want to call me Mr. Gorman, you feel free, man. I'm, I'm, but I'm easy either way. Okay, cool. Well, you know, actually, I get a, a strange thing that I still sometimes am not used to is I've been teaching uh, elementary school for mm-hmm. a while. That's what I do as my day job. Um, and um, it's been weird from day one to hear them call me Mr. McClenning. And, but, you know, I'm kind of used to it now, I guess. Mm-hmm. So anyhow, um, so, you know... 
just to kind of give our listeners a little of an idea of what's going to go on with this, you know, I, I was telling you before, my buddy Ira, my co-host, mm-hmm. and I, um, it's called Two Faces Radio, right. and uh, you know, we typically have somebody come into our studio, and most people play. Um, we've had done a few interviews where yeah. they just weren't able to play. We actually had um, an old friend of yours, I, I'm assuming, Johnny Colt, mm-hmm. on the show one time. Absolutely. And I don't know how. Are you guys? Do you ever have any contact with him or anything? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, he's, he's a hard guy to get cool. on. The, he's a hard guy to track down on the phone. Yeah, we don't speak very often, but we email throughout yeah. the year. And you know, if he's, I haven't seen him in a long time. He was up in Nashville playing with Train a few years back, and I went right. and saw him there. But oh, it's, cool. I'm trying to think. I don't think I've seen him in two or three years. But but we, you know, like I said, we stay in touch anytime anything's going on and. You know, it's just like any other friend of mine. It's got yeah. you know, there's no band stigma or anything right, involved. Right, right. That's cool. Well, he was great when he came on, and we actually ended up getting him to talk about the Crows for a little bit, which mm-hmm. is, he claimed he hadn't talked about them in like ten years. You know, like to that extent. Well, he's so pretty busy cool. guy, so I wouldn't yeah. be surprised. Yeah. You know. But um, the, so I was going to say, you know, just for our listeners, the, the idea that we're doing here is, you know, typically it's my buddy and I, and and we have a little bit of a rapport we think together. <laughs> And uh, at least that's what we're hoping. Right. And, uh, we always try and bring everybody into our world and just, you know, try and make it a good hang, um, talking about music and anything else and playing some music, obviously. And so when I had this opportunity, we were kind of trying to get this set up in Atlanta, but obviously your time mm-hmm. will be taken up a lot down, down there. So it just so happened I was coming to D.C., and I almost, like an idiot, sort of passed up on this because I was like, ah, it's not two faces if we're not doing the mm-hmm. thing. So. Our compromise was, I'm doing the interview here, and then we're going to go back there. We've got another buddy, Tim, who also plays guitar with us, who's going, who sits in on the show occasionally. And so we're going to do a, an episode with the three of us cool. and use this interview. All right. And they're going to kind of bust my chops and uh, you know see how poorly I did. or. Whatever. Well, then I'll, I'll <laughs> take this opportunity to mention the fact that your hands are shaking right now. They are. So they can start on that. I am and you do seem a little clammy. I, I am a little bit sweaty and There's, clammy. It's almost a full flop sweat <laughs> about to break out. I can see it in your eye. So let's start here because I won't give you too much history because I don't want to bore anybody, but... Um, you know, my buddy and I, he used to work at a radio station, Ira, um, 680 uh, AM mm-hmm. in Atlanta. Right. And, you know, I'm a big sports fan. I've listened to the sports shows down there on 790 and stuff like right. that. Right. And um, I, you know, always used to say to him, and I did major in communication, so I always would say to him, like, hey, did you get us a show yet? You know, we'd always goof around about yeah. that and we'd bullshit about music. One day we're playing an acoustic show somewhere. He comes in. He says, we're doing a podcast. And I knew he had been big into podcasting. Mm-hmm. Um, my brother used to try and turn me on to it. I wasn't catching on to it much yet. But he's like, we're doing a podcast. And I was like, really? Okay. Right. And he just started looking into it and seeing like, hey, it's not that tough to do. Right. Um, to put together. So that's kind of how we got into doing it. Sure. Um, and then it was just like a challenge. Like, can we start getting people to actually come in and take us seriously? Right. And uh, how did you get going on podcasting? Because you have a podcast called Steve Gorman Sports. Or right. Steve Gorman, is it Sports? Sports. Give it a, that, that's a fine effort. Is that all right? That's a good, that's a good first effort. Um, <laughs> well, I had an actual radio show on, on the sports station in Nashville. We did Sunday nights. Started a few years ago, and it went... It was just when I was in town, I would do it. Um, right. And with my buddy Brandon and I were, were doing the show. And that, all, that started from... I went in and just did the afternoon show with the drive time guys to... to Pitch, pitch, to talk uh, to you know to talk about a charity event that I was a part of, mm-hmm. 
And, um, you know, one of the guys on the air, our daughters were in preschool together. It's just total small-town normal stuff. Like, right. oh, come do the show and talk about this this golf scramble for a good cause, blah, blah, blah. So I was doing that, and I was on the air for a couple hours maybe. And the program director, when I was leaving, he stopped me in the parking lot, and he said, man, that was, you know, that was really good if you ever done radio. And I said, well, I do a lot of rock radio crap, you know. Right, yeah. But he said, well, we should get you on here like once a week. That was that was awesome. We could sell the segment. I mean, it was really funny. And he goes, you know, you really got the pipes, man. <clears throat> Not that I have them right now, but I'm kind of hoarse. But, you know, he just said, your voice really. And I've always, I was a broadcasting student 25 years ago. And I do I do have a good voice. So it was just, and so he was saying, why don't you come in like once a week, one, every other week maybe we'll do a segment. Like you come in for an hour. And, and, right. I, and my response was, well, why don't you just give me my own show? <laughs> because, one, I'm kind of an asshole. And, two, I just <laughs> thought that was funny to say. Yeah. And he looked right at me and he said, okay, well, what do you want to do? Sure, and then good. I'm like, and then as I'm often find myself going, well, shit, how would I just get myself into? Because, of course, I'm not going to say I'm just kidding. Right. <laughs> um, and then all of a sudden, 25 years of sitting around thinking about I should do a radio show. All of a sudden, you know, I went, well, I, I, I got a lot of ideas, actually. And the, the next cool. day we went and got lunch and I said, and I, I spent that day thinking about how I'm going to present this idea. Right. And it was essentially just what it, whatever it was. I said, look, I don't want to talk about stats and who might win. I want to talk about things like why. I don't remember what was going on at the time, but it would essentially what I said is I'd rather just talk about not even making fun of as much of, but like, okay, why exactly will Brett Favre not retire? Yeah, right. Like, let's just talk about that What's for a while. What's his problem? Let's, yeah. you know, which is very general. Every guy in the street saying the same shit, but that right. was my point. I'm like, look, I sit around and talk sports all day, yeah, just like anybody else. But I've spent the last 20 years locked in this submarine world. I don't claim to have a realistic view on anything, but right. it could be funny, you know. Right. I mean, long story short, that turned yeah. into Sunday nights. Touring keeps getting in the way of my radio career, sure. as you <laughs> might imagine. And about a year ago, it was a year ago this tough time. Problem. That's a tough problem to have. It is, it is. A year ago, right around this time, I got an email to What's Wrong With Steve, mm -hmm. not that unlike yours, from right. a guy. Uh, he was actually asking a question. He sent me a link to something he'd written, and there was something about the, the, the note that he attached. It was really funny and very bright, and I, I just responded back, and then we just started this correspondence and the guy was a podcaster and a blogger and it's right. Mitch Bloom who does the show with me. Okay. And so we just met that way and I actually called him one day and I said, Hey, let me ask you about this podcast thing and that conversation led to everything that's happened this year. He said, Well this is what I do, this is what I think you could do and we just struck up a relationship that way. Cool. And we just yeah. started it earlier this year and the, the plan has been tinker with it, find a format that we like and then as soon as we say like, okay, we're we got it change it then we'll start no well then we'll start bringing in guests and really right. starting to build it and, and okay. we're there now the last okay. few i'd say the last five or six we've sort of stumbled upon what we think is really entertaining because mm -hmm. that's all we're trying to do i'm not trying to reinvent exactly. anything it's just i want to give someone an hour of their day where they're actually laughing i mean that's you know my, my my opinions on sports or music or movies are just like anybody else's you know what i mean it's well you know what's funny is and i'll probably be um when we actually podcast this, I'll explain how I got in touch with you and all yeah. this. Um, but I have a feeling that, well, I had the feeling that it was definitely you answering those questions on that. I mean, you never know. Like, when you're an outsider like me, you never know right. how much, you know, how this all works. Are you answering all the questions? Are you yeah, telling sure. somebody say this? Yeah, you're never quite sure. But just by reading it and seeing some other interviews with you here and there, um, I mean, you do. You have a great 
personality. You're you're somebody that uh, I think tells a good story. You you weave a good yarn, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so just from hearing some of the answers, I mean, some of them are just great. With pe- when people call in, like with uh, you know, like love advice and all yeah. sort, you know, like I'm in love with my sister-in-law and all that kind of crazy shit. Um, so at that point, that's when I kind of decided. I think if I can start this process early enough, yeah, right, I can right. I can maybe be contacting him actually. So, um, well, that's cool. So that I guess is why you have some of the shows on the on like iTunes are from the radio show original. I, well, radio there show was an original. Yeah, there was originally some radio. I mean, they're still up there. I don't think right. we can ever take them off. But right. but but the podcast. I think we've done twenty four, twenty five of them now. And those are all the ones that I would say are worth listening to because it's such a different, completely different right. format. You're really in your game. And the, uh, you know, the radio thing is it, well, it's just it's just two completely different templates. So, and like I said, I think we all feel like the last few months the podcast is finally. We didn't know what we wanted. What we said was, let's just keep putting them up there, and we'll stumble upon a, a, right. a template that that, that right. really works. And so we're there. I think we're there now. And you know, we had Bill Burr on last week, which was really good, and. I've got a bunch of people coming on over the next couple of months lined up, so it'll be cool. you know starting to get some more musicians and athletes, and I think it's going to be it's going to it's going to be good. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean that's that's same thing. You know, we just kind of went in there, and I remember the first one. Just I remember the whole thing was going in there thinking I don't know, I don't know if you had this issue because you do so much radio and stuff, but going in with you know my my best friend basically and and our other good buddy, could we actually sit there? With right. microphones and all this stuff, and talk as if we're talking to because you, you can't ignore the audience. You can't right, right. not be talking to people. You can't just be talking to the three of you. You know, right. no. So well, it's, it's it's a little it, trickier than it sounds. It's it, it, it is definitely easier in this format. When we went to the, it was funny because when the guy gave me a, a couple hours on a Sunday night at the radio station for the first time, Brandon and I, you know, I called Brandon. He's just a, been a friend for a long time and sports obsessed, funny guy, and I said. Hey, is I got he a, in the music scene. No, not at all. Okay. He's a he's a graphic artist, and I said uh, oh, cool. naturally, and I said um, I said, hey, we got a we got a radio show, and he goes, what do you mean? I said, I got a radio show on 104, so you got to come do it with me. And I believe his his first response was, I never even gave a speech in high school. <laughs> I said, I don't care if we can it's get good. even if we can get close to what we're like talking to each other, sitting yeah. around, it'll work. And then you have to deal with a clock, and you got to deal with. All these different things in radio that you don't have to in podcasts, but we. But I also the guy said, "Well, do you want to do a few dry runs?" And I thought, "No, if, if we're faking it, we'll fake it." And yeah, exactly. I'd rather get in there and just and just, just suck it. for a while, but figure it out on the air, which yeah. is what we did. So I'm sure those first shows we definitely have not put on podcast form. I mean, it didn't occur to us to right. for one thing, but then again, if we had the choice, I don't think I would. But you know, it fell together pretty quickly, and then you know, here we are. Now, had you been doing a lot of listening to podcasts before no, you started? Here? So no. that was pretty much your... enough to, enough to know what it was, right? Yeah, yeah. It's funny how now thinking about it, it seems so simple. I mean, it really is. It's basically a radio show yeah. that you can listen to any time. It's, right. it's like on-demand radio in a way. Yep. But I even remember, you know, first hearing about it and kind of not getting the concept a little bit. Like, well, I don't know. Like, so I don't know when would I listen? When do I yeah. not? You know, I don't know. Because sometimes I have a thing, like, with sports, I can't watch rerun sports. Right. I mean, unless it's, like, me going back and reliving, you know, the Red Sox World yeah, Series sure. from 2004, you know. Um, but, you know, I can't watch... I, I don't want to record a, a sporting event and then watch it later after the results have come yeah. out. I don't know why. Right. And that's, I think, one of the things that I love about sports is 
it's live and nobody knows what's going to happen ever. Yeah. It's just, I love sports. Yeah, right. i got to be honest. And um, so I guess that was kind of the whole thing. Like, I always like to be a part of an event as it's happening, kind of ramps up the excitement for it. So I didn't know, like, how is it going to feel when I can just listen to something at any time? Right. I, I don't know why that seemed weird for a sec, but um, anyhow. Well, I've, I've enjoyed your show. I've enjoyed a bunch of them. Um, I don't have the time to listen, to do as much podcasting listening as I'd yeah, like. Right. Um, but that's, you know, Ira was a big fan of Adam Carolla. He's, we had both been regular guys fans from, uh, you know, the Atlanta Morning Show. Right. And, um, they started putting out their stuff as a podcast and he has a job where he can listen to music and yeah. podcasts and whatever all day long. So he really got into it and, you know, I was kind of, I guess I was kind of his Brandon, so yep. to speak. And he's mm-hmm. like, Hey, listen, we're actually going to do this. So, cool. um, it's been fun. So let's see, what do we want to get into? I do have a, as you can see, I have a ton of questions. I've been kind of like just writing things down ever since I sort of had like the initial contact back from you. Sure. And just kind of like, um, but you know, I've never really done like a one-on-one interview with anybody. So right. it's kind of like, you know, I've got a bunch of things down here that I thought might be fun to hopefully talk about. I kind of wanted to start off with kind of moving, segueing sort of from podcasting into music. Mm-hmm. You podcast about sports. And I was kind of wondering if I've always thought that I was never real competitive in sports. Mm-hmm. And I thought that's why it made me a better musician because I was more interested in working with people, not like beating people at right. something. Do you think being a sports fan or anything, is there anything in well, being a drummer that helps you? Well, I, I, I played sports very competitively, but I, 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 it was, there were team sports and right. I mean, basketball and soccer specifically. And I had at, a, at an early age, like by middle school, I was looking back now, I was very fortunate to have coaches that were, that were coaching people, not the sport so right. much when I look back. And so I have a complete, my entire thing, any project I go into, my first thought is, what's the team? Who's doing what? How are we going to make this happen? Right. Everyone focus on their strengths, and let's move forward. Right. That's that's just ingrained in me. So actually, I, I've always thought that this, my sports background made it, especially in a band like the Black Crows, it's essential. Because if I didn't have that, I don't know how long the band would have lasted. Because right. not everyone has that mindset. Right. Not everyone's supposed to have that mindset. You know what I mean? If mm-hmm. you... I mean, I've always said if everybody in a band was a jock, then that band would be Hootie and the Blowfish. Well, there's already <laughs> been one of them. Right. And great dudes, and I, I know all those guys, and I really like them, but that's that's an anomaly. I mean, that's a really rare thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And And uh, any band that I've ever loved, I mean, there's just, there's you got to have a really wide range of personalities for it to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have a laundry list of what I think should be different within the Black Crows, and so does everyone else. Right. And the, the trick is just everybody getting enough to stay sane and move yeah. forward. So yeah. that's, and, and it's, you know, I had those situations in sports. I mean, my senior year in, in basketball, you know, my, my coach looked at me one day and said, if you're the leading scorer, we're not going to win games. And I was like, that's bullshit. I was all pissed off. He right. said, no, you got to understand, you're supposed to do something else here. There's a couple guys that all they can do is score. Right. And if and if they're not doing that, then then we're playing three on five. Right. You know, and it's, right. and it's like those sort of you know concepts are like a little hard to take when you're a high school kid. I never had those issues in soccer. It's just such a different game. You need all you know everybody's position is different. But in soccer, I always played sweeper, and in my mind, you're running the field from okay. the back. Okay. And a drummer runs the band from the back. From the and back, there's yeah. there's a great. I've always seen a tr- total correlation from how I approach both things. Um, 
so in answer to your question, I mean, it's, it's just such a part of me that it's, and in any project I do, if I go in and do sessions, it's essential to immediately try to figure out what's everyone's bag. You know, right. what does everyone need to hear in order to just get this done quickly? Right, right. And that all goes back to just locker room shit, you know, yeah. to me. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, and, and, you know, truth be told, the Atlanta music scene that we came out of, it wasn't intensely competitive the way sports are, like, in your face, go fuck off. Right. But it was very, you know, as far as, like, I mean, musicians are horrible. The jealousy and the anger, and, you know, the bullshit yeah. and the backstabbing. I mean, that was just everywhere. And, you know, we, the, the one thing that I think that, that Chris and Rich and I had early on was a thick enough skin to just tell anybody, mm-hmm. you know, we just didn't allow, we just looked very big picture. And, right. you know, it just, not for better or worse, it's just what it was. The reason that I got on with those guys is we just had this one element of our life where we were in complete sync about. Right. Away from that, we couldn't be more different. But yeah. that is what clicked. And in the scene back then, when we were starting out, you know, there was a, there's, there's nonstop gangsmanship and one-upsmanship and brinksmanship and all this crap right. you're doing with other bands. And I, you know, I can remember arguing with, you know, Sven. You know, I moved to Atlanta and started a band with Sven called Marry My Hope. And uh-huh. Clint and James, the four of us. And then shortly after that, I split and started with Chris and Rich. Right. And we all lived in the same house. Right. So it was hardly, like, I it, wasn't, it, it wasn't the elephant in the room. It was, <laughs> we were, there was about eight elephants in that room. Right, it was right. just like, damn, man, you just, I switched my rehearsal time from two to four, you know. Yeah. Didn't have to move. You know, it was great. Man. But it was also really tense for a while. And that was, you know. We were just, I was 21. I was the oldest guy involved in this whole thing. And it was like this. <laughs> One ever was like, turn into it. It was like a young, it was this young and the restless band love triangle. Because for right. a little while I was doing both. And it just got weird. And, and then Mary My Hope got another drummer in five seconds, like you do. And they got a record deal later that year. Oh, wow. And, and I remember thinking, well, shit, fuck. what did I do? <laughs> but but, I, ne- but I, ne- I really didn't ever question it. Because, like I said, I knew on a fundamental level that my good friend I'd grown up with this guy Clint and a kid I grabbed from college, James Hall, mm-hmm. and Sven. And he's still around. Is that the same James Hall that's still around? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Around town there. Yeah, he's. I was his RA in the dorm. Oh, really? And, uh, <laughs> my senior year, he was a freshman, and I convinced Did you write him, him up. I convinced him to. Uh, now I walked into his room when he was moving in, and he had a Smiths poster, and I was like, "This is in the fall of '86," and I was like, "All right, cool." Like, it's the only guy in the dorm that had probably heard of the Smiths in, at right. that time in Bowling Green, Kentucky. So. No, we just would listen to records, and and then I left at Christmas that year. I, the, my last semester was fall of '86, and I said to him, "I'm going to Atlanta to start a band with these, with my friend, and he's got a bass player." And, right. and then they actually road tripped up to Kentucky, and I had them meet James, and we all agreed, "Okay, this is the band," because James was singing and playing okay. in the band in a cover band. So I got down to Atlanta, and, and then James followed a few months later. I ran into his mom at a Home Depot in Nashville three years ago, and she got in my face, literally. Really? Because like, I'm the reason he didn't finish college. <laughs> like, 25 years later, she was, funny. She was upset Seems me. to be doing all right. And it was funny, and about a week later, I saw James, and I said, hey, I had a nice chat with your mom. And he looked at me and goes, yeah, right. Like, like <laughs> he, he, knew, right? he knew what that meant. But uh, She's probably still giving him shit about it. I'm sure. But we, we had a... You know, I got down there and right away, it was just a, it, like, again, it's just a, you know, it, it was a gut level thing. I always say musicians are like dogs. You just sniff each other and it's yes or no right away. And yeah. and I loved the guys in Marry My Hope, but I just, were, what they were trying to do and what we just were, we were instantly arguing right away. And I was like, well, and I was like, I don't want to be in a band that fights all the time. Right. I'll go start with the Robinson Brothers. <laughs> right, right. You know, that'd be great. <laughs> that ought to smooth things yeah. out. 
Well, but, but so, it, you know, and then we just went from there. And uh, but oh, I was saying, but there was there was a time when when Mary My Hope and Mr. Crow's Garden would play shows together, and the, oh. and the argument over who would close or oh, open, yeah, all, was it was probably, ridiculous, you know. And you're looking back on that now, and you're like, God, right? Yeah, but you know. Um, at the same time, when Johnny quit the band, the only guy we called was Sven. I mean, well, like, that was no, the no thing. matter no matter what that was that was, and I've always said that our playing together in 1987 set in my motion. I was like, that's the guy I should be in the band. I mean, he, right. he and I clicked immediately. I uh, I never knew that. I found that out through uh, I think your I think your blog uh-huh. at some point that you had been in the or maybe it was on your um, I think it was on the podcast that you did about Proology. Okay. Maybe, and there was some mention, and I, I had not realized that um, you had played in a band with him before, because in my mind, it was just like, I knew that he had, was in a band in Atlanta, and that he yeah. kind of got plucked out of the Atlanta scene to join the Crows when Johnny left, yeah. and I was like, damn, lucky guy, and I think he's friends with um, Southside Steve from The Regular Guys, I think I remember him talking about uh-huh. it, like, oh, my buddy's going to be playing with the Crows, and I was like, man, you know, how'd that happen? How does he get that luck? Yeah. And, um... Well, we we, cool. we lived in a house together in 1987 in Candler Park. All of us did, and then uh, and then Mary, my hope, went and did their thing, and we got a deal. And you know, I would see Sven very. I didn't see anybody back before cell phones and email. You you never saw anybody. You lost yeah, touch, and that crazy, was it. it. And then shortly before Johnny quit the band, I I was actually just walking in Piedmont Park with my dog because I lived in Midtown then, and I saw Sven, and he was walking a dog, and so yeah. it was like good to see him, and we talked. And literally, like, six weeks later, Johnny quit. And I thought, well, I know Sven's still around. Right. And, that was, and, and uh, you know, that was that. I mean, I called him and, and said, you know, do you want to come jam with me and Rich? And he didn't say why, but I didn't say why. But I just said, you know, we're, yeah. just, we're just in town. And, you know, it just it just went from there. It's funny when you mentioned gut check time, you know, like that whole idea that you just kind of know right away. Yeah. A story that I would share would be um, one time we were trying out drummers. And this guy comes in. We're living in a house in Little Five Points, like, you know, a block and a half down from the center of town uh, <laughs> on Euclid. And um, this guy comes in, and, you know, we've been talking with him, you know, like, okay, you know, getting him our music, learning the stuff, you know, whatever. He comes in, sits down. As soon as he sits down, takes his shirt off. I mean, t- you know, not the That's sweatshirt it. over the T-shirt, yeah. you know. Takes his shirt off. He's bare-chested. And we just, like, took one look at each other, and it's like... Didn't matter how good he played, yeah, right. that guy wasn't going to fit with what we're doing. You know, it's like oh, yeah. it is one of those things you just know, like sometimes right yep. off the bat. Oh yeah. So, um, all right. So let's see what else do I have down here that I wanted to talk about. So we talked about podcasting a lot about the band. I mean, I could ask you a thousand and one questions about the band, um, but I want to talk a little bit about um, uh, some of like you mentioned a little bit like doing some other sessions. Mm-hmm. In the Black Crows, is it really just, you know, Chris and Rich and they're kind of, it, do people know that it's like their thing or do you feel like you get your creativity and your input on the songs? Do, do the songs feel like you get ownership of them? Or? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I've never, a lot of that has to do with just your own sense of self. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, I, I think it's, a, I, I think it's, a, if I play on it, it's mine. I right. mean, if that's a sure, session in Nashville sure. for a guy I'll never see again, it's right. like, that's my tune. Right. So, no, I gotcha. No, but within the band, I mean, there are occasions when they will walk into a room having gotten together and written a song in its entirety. Yeah. Um, and even within that, even if they say, okay, this is what I hear, this is what I want to hear. Right. Even within that, it's never, there's always room. I mean, whatever they hear in their head, I can't do exactly anyway. Of course. I mean, you yeah, get close and then... Like 
And we always tend to work up. That, the, there are songs like that. The majority of songs over the years are always hashed out in a room with the whole band sitting there. Right. In the old days, it was always at Soundcheck. I mean, we spent yeah. the entire Soundcheck for Southern Harmony Tour just working on new tunes. That's all we did. Mm-hmm. And we had a million of them, you know, because of work. And, um, and a lot that got lost along the way. But that's all we would ever do. So it was it was never a question of, you know, how do I, is this my music? I mean, right. it just wouldn't even occur to me to, yeah. to, to worry about those sort of things. I guess even more so, just kind of thinking, do you, do you have projects that you do where you're more of the creative center of the project? Do yeah, you have absolutely. that outlet? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's, and, and it's not just musically. I mean, there's a million, I, I don't see any difference between drumming in, a, in this band, drumming with someone else, writing, even something like What's Wrong With Steve, which is a complete joke. That, that satisfies a certain itch that right. I have, without question. The podcast is one of those. I mean, if I go and do something at my kid's school, if I'm in yeah. charge of a project there, that's, that's all the same thing. Yeah, it's yeah, all yeah. about just being in, invested in what you're doing and, and, and getting something back. You know, and ultimately, the other thing, too, is hopefully what you're really doing is just giving because then you get back more in return every time anyway. Do you feel like... I've always felt like... I've mostly been like a rhythm guitar player. I just feel more comfortable writing songs, playing... I want to play them the way that I sort of, you know, write it. Um, So I've always felt like I'm part of the rhythm section, you know, Uh with guitar, bass, and drums there. I've always kind of felt like my job is, no, no matter how much or how little I'm doing, my job is to do what works best for the song. Yeah. And I've always had this thought, like, the best drummers and the best bass players in general... Um, the less you sort of notice them, mm-hmm. almost the better they are in a way. Do you do you take that approach in any way? I mean, you know, when oh, you were uh, talking well, about really being in the pocket. Yeah. Well, yeah. There's no question. I mean, I mean, in other bands, too, you know, you look at bands. I mean, every band has its own. Uh, sometimes intentionally, sometimes not. You have what you have your like Led Zeppelin or The Who. You couldn't say that about you. You sure as hell notice those drummers. Yeah, but that's a very that's from the get go. That's in the imprint of what well, those definitely bands are key. Be. You know. Yeah, and so you know a band like ACDC. I've always wondered, and I would I would love to know the answer. Do they mean to sound like that, or do they just when they started playing? Yeah, did it just happen like that? Because right. Because to me, ACDC, while granted they're one of the biggest bands ever, and I mean, I mean, I, it's funny. I just saw this thing the other day. Back in Black is the second biggest selling album of all time worldwide. Wow! Second only to Thriller. I mean, That's in insane. the states, it's like number six, but worldwide, Back in Black yeah. is the second biggest album of all time. Oh, it's a great album. <laughs> and did they? But when they were sitting in Melbourne in 1973, yeah, and or, or us specifically when Cliff joined the band, and he and Phil and Malcolm were that rhythm section. Like, did they know that they swung that hard while rocking? I mean, yeah. you know, did they discuss it? Like, I want it to be like this. Right. Or is that just what happened? That's a good that's, question, yeah. That's the most, it's funny, what my point was, they're the biggest, one of the biggest bands ever, but they're so underrated. People, people, that's their genius. You focus on the schoolboy uniform and, yeah, and, and blah, blah, blah. Angus and, and all his antics and, and nobody oh, really Oh, by the end of the day, that's just entertainment. At the end of the day, the band is just incredible. I saw yeah. them twice last year, and, I, and yeah. they're as good as they've ever been. I mean, yeah. it's just... It's crazy. It's awesome. And, it's, and so well, every, every band too? has its own thing. I don't think... I really take it on a song-by-song basis. I mean, there's yeah. been songs that we've been working on where I'm the, I'm the first guy to say, there doesn't even there shouldn't even be drums here. <laughs> right. I rarely get my way when I say that. There's right. always something. But yeah. I, I, just, I just hear a song 
I hear uh, we're working on a tune, and the fact is, I usually I I don't sit at a drum kit and come up with parts very well. I have to I have to be not sitting at the kit. Oh. I have to be listening in the room, sitting there. But if I'm holding sticks, it doesn't it 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 gets in my way. I'd much rather, you know, be Chris sitting at the kit or no one, you know, right. knocking around. Because if I'm sitting somewhere else, then I'm really hearing the whole thing better. Um, and and you know, there's so many. There's every possible example in the Black Crows. There's things that the first thing I played, everybody went, "Oh, that done." You know, never, never changed it. Yeah. There's things where the first thing I played, everyone said that's horrible, and two days later it came right back to that. Everyone goes, "Oh, that's perfect." Yeah, right. And then there's (laughs) and then there's things where Rich said, "Do this," and that worked, and Chris said, "Do this," that worked, and then there's things that those don't work. I mean, yeah. Every song is its own case. Yeah. And everybody's a drummer. And if you're writing a song, you you don't even whether you know you're doing it or not, you're hearing the drums. I mean, and so, you know. We're pretty much, there's not been, in the last, since the band got back together, these last few records, there's hardly been, there's been very little discussion about what I'm doing because, and I think that speaks more to just, we're just so in a, we just get each other's heads so much, you know, it's not that, it's not that there's specific turnarounds that somebody might hear something and say, or that I might go, I'm not hearing this, I don't get what's, I don't understand this. What you're going for, yeah. And, but, but those are so few and far between, you know, it's really... Because we always do come up with the whole the whole band is working on it together. It's really more about me and Sven figuring out what are you, what are you doing there? What am I doing here? Let's figure you this out, and then you know everybody gets on top of that. And yeah, goes yeah. We um, it's funny because you mentioned Keith and um, John Bonham, and you know John Bonham, while he did stand out and do some stuff, you know, obviously the, the big solos and things like that. Um, you know, when you listen to Zeppelin, the majority of the songs. He really just gets in the pocket. There's not a lot of fills through. He knows when to pick oh. his spots. And I think you've definitely been on par in the Black Crows doing sort of the same mm-hmm. thing. I mean, you really, there's songs where you're just kind of straight through, and but that's what works for the song. Right. Well, I mean, that's the same. My my two guys are always Ringo and Bonham for that very reason. I mean, that's, yeah. that's your job. And I mean, there's a million more. Like, I think John Densmore's easily the most underrated drummer in rock history no one ever talks about him and he's yeah, fucking right. great hmm. um but because they never had like that big like rock drum sound you know well, no, they, they, they did a lot of they like were that. swinging all over the yeah. place and, yeah. and 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 they also you know i mean if jim morrison hadn't died then the then the band i mean if you look at a career arc if they had continued to make records as that four piece the the morrison poet lizard king shit would have left would have faded a little bit, and then people would have gotten, by the way, that's a kick-ass band. I mean, right. eventually it would have come around. Right, yeah, yeah. But, you know, him dying sort of ended that possibility, probably. But I think, um, but Bonham is the tastiest guy to me still. And Ringo, I mean, that's why I love those guys. It's what they do when they do it. And, but but the difference is Zeppelin records. I mean, yeah, Bonham's not all over the place, like, trying to get your attention, but just sonically, where the drums are in those mixes and how they sound. You can't help but notice them. I mean, yeah. the first time I listened to a Zeppelin so record, big and heavy. I didn't listen to Zeppelin as a little kid, and so I have this very specific memory of being in like eleventh grade or tenth grade, maybe. And my English—I was doing something for my school, and I and I I had to go run an errand, and my English teacher I took her car. She was like, "Go here, do this." This is a small school; these things could say. happen. <laughs> um, and I, my jumped, mom. <laughs> I jumped. Yeah, I jumped in her car and I turned it on, and she had a cassette of Led Zeppelin Four. How she cool! Was, and, it, and right when I turned it on, Misty Mountain Hop started, and 
I had heard Zeppelin songs on the radio, but I was just at that point, so especially, different. I yeah. was dialed in. All I cared about was Devo and you know all this new wave and post punk and and U two at the time. And okay. you know, I was so into and you know B fifty twos or whatever it was. And in Misty Mountain Hop, it was right at the top of that song. And when those drums kicked in, it was just the sound of those drums, mm-hmm. not to mention the, the the swing. That I remember driving up the driveway of my school, and I was like rocking out, going, "Oh my god, what? I'm, I'm rocking out to Led Zeppelin!" Like this is my English teacher's yeah. car and tape. <laughs> I, I was just more freaked out that I liked Led Zeppelin. I was like, I, I just didn't, I, you know, because I was in a small town in Kentucky then, and Led Zeppelin and ACDC. And Leonard Skinner were three bands I would not listen to just because of the that truck was listening to them. And, <laughs> right. You know, and the, the guys from the public schools, you know, we played soccer, so we were just targets for them anyway. You know, it was like... How long did you hide your love for Zeppelin? Uh, well, I didn't... I, not, I didn't... It didn't get me to go pursue it. I didn't jump on it right, right. then. It okay. was a while. But the funny thing was... Is I'm just I, picturing you walking in with, like, your Devo buddies, and there's, like, a little... Zeppelin. Well, no, I was. Hey, I was. Pin, was you know, under. Yeah. You know, and like the whole. Uh, is that a Zeppelin pin? You know. Well, if John Hughes had been the principal, then right? I would have, that, no, this that would have been the story. There weren't. There weren't. There were no pins. There were no. This is a small town. That stuff wasn't happening. It was like, you know. But I mean, I, there was a time in my life when my two favorite bands were Devo and Earth, Wind, and Fire. So I was kind of still going across the board. But with um, I need to talk more with my buddy downstairs, who's the air <laughs> supply star. What were we just Asia that we just Asia. heard down in the in the hotel lobby? My um, my uh, I didn't really listen to Zeppelin again until it was funny because it was Led Zeppelin four again. When I was in college, I went to a dorm. I moved dorm rooms like every semester, and one semester shortly after it started, a Columbia House record and tape box came. Like the guy who had lived there before, yeah, ordered yeah, eleven yeah. Al- re- albums for a penny, right, right. And I, of course, just took it because they f- found music. You and moved. Led Zeppelin four was one of those records, and I put that on. Uh, I was like, damn, check this out. And then, and that was, but I didn't go get the rest of it. I just had that one record. Funny. Still have never listened to the Battle of Evermore all the way through. It's, now <laughs> it's a point of pride. I just won't do it. That's, um, I was like that with the movie Forrest Gump. I uh, never saw Forrest Gump when it came out, and I was yeah, like, no, you know what? I'm just not going to ever see it. That movie, it might be a good movie, but it was ruined for me because on my way to go see it, someone goes, oh man, it's just like being there. You'll love it. <laughs> You're like, and, and it was like saying, like, no, actually, five minutes in, I was like, this is hardly in the class Nothing of being like there. being there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, but anyway, so it was when I moved to Atlanta, when I moved into that house on Oakdale Road, and Mary My Hope first started playing, and I just bought my first drum kit. I'd never even had a drum kit of my own until then. And what Clint was listening to nonstop was Led Zeppelin 1, and I was like, and I, it's funny, because I'd heard those songs. There, mm-hmm. You can't not have heard them. Yeah. But I had never sat down and listened to those in an album. I'd never put myself in the context of, wow, this just came out one day and no one had ever heard it. And what must this have been like? Yeah. And I remember I called one of my older brothers who played guitar. And I go, hey, man, do you remember when Led Zeppelin 1 came out? And he goes, dude, I was in 10th grade. My buddy called me. said, come over here. you got to hear this. And, and it just, he goes, it, it blew our brains out. We sat there and listened to it straight through twice. And nothing's ever been the same since to us. And I thought, holy, you know, and it really made sense. But, but. It's funny because all that listening to Led Zeppelin then, and it went back to that time in my my teacher's car. Those drums, how they sound and how he played, that just was like what every drum. That was what it was supposed to sound it like. Should to all me. be like that. I was yeah. like, that sounds like that guy's having fun. Yeah. Well, it's funny that I mean, that that thought you just said about what must it have been like. I've thought about that for so long, so yeah. many years. Like that's always the thing. Like, what was it like? 
you know, when, when Van Halen 1 came out, yeah. people were hearing this shit for the first time. Right. Like, what was that like, you know? Yeah. Um, and obviously Zeppelin and, you know, even ACDC, any of well, those I, bands. I, you know? The one that we're still to this day, the one I really, the ultimate one of those is Abbey Road to me because no one knew that they went in saying, okay, this will be our last record. Right. But still, on the heels of the White Album, which was, you know, all over the place and after, you know, what they'd been through the, in 67, 68... For an average record buyer to go out and and you, if you just put on Abbey Road, having never heard any of that music before, and listen to it start mm-hmm. to finish, you got you just got to think what there is nothing left for these guys to do. There's they, they, there there's, really they're done. Yeah. I mean, they are they. It's that's one of those albums that I just can't imagine there being a time when it wasn't around. Right. More so than Sgt. Pepper. Right. More when so it than didn't any exist. other one. Yeah. Wow, that's it's like that's wow. interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. You know, and not just for side two, but but. That whole medley, like well, going through that, working your way through that, must have been mind blowing for people. Abbey Road and Let It Be for me, that that's it for me. Mm-hmm. Those two albums, but for me with the yeah. Beatles, um, I was thinking of something before. You know, in talking about all the the drummers and stuff, we've always had this funny thing about like Keith Moon. You know, again, when you mentioned Bonham and Keith Moon, Keith Moon's the total opposite. You know, yeah. he's he's all over the place. I, I listen to him sometimes, and as big a Who fan as I am, you know, me and my buddy would always sit there and I'd be like. I can never play with Keith Moon. I don't know where the one is. I can't ever find yeah. the pocket. And then, and then we always have to. this thing like, who the fuck are you? You're not going to play with Keith Moon if you have yeah. the opportunity. You know, I was like, well, I mean, you know. No, Pete's the only one who had the one in that band. But I mean, what was it like for you then when you're behind Jimmy Page? Because well, that was another thing I was yeah, obviously the, interested in talking about. So you're now there. You're in John C. I well, mean, in many I, ways. I never saw it that way because I was always in the Black Crows sitting there playing with Jimmy Page. True. Now, if I were in a room and Jimmy Page walked in and then John Paul Jones walked in, that that's a whole different kettle of fish. I mean, that's a very different... That's the almost photo. Is that the almost that's photo? The, well, there was an almost I wrote, photo. Yeah. I wrote down a, yeah. a note when I yeah. listened to your, uh, your podcast. Yeah, it was funny. Um, the almost photo. Tell that story because that's a great story. Oh, I just I, when the DVD, the Led Zeppelin DVD came out in 2003. I was in New York at the big premiere party, and uh, and my friend Ross Halfen, who's a photographer, was there, and he's he's really close with Jimmy, and <clears throat> we were just at the party, and and the th- Plant Jones and, and Page were standing there talking, three of them. And Ross said, "Oh, go get a, go, go you know." He goes, "Run over there now, and we'll get a photo with the four of you." <laughs> And and that's just like the to me that's again everything always good. I just see that as funny. I like I didn't think oh my god this will be uh, to me it's yeah. just hilarious because I just all I want to do is show it to my friends. Right, you know, right. Hey, here's right, my right. new band. You exactly, know, whatever. It's just, exactly. It's just for shtick. You got to. Pur- you're gonna have to check us out. Yeah, I mean for shtick purposes, what could be a better shot? You know, it's perfect. And so I walked over and I and Jimmy's like, hey, there he is. And I, I knew Robert already very well. I've known him longer than Jimmy. And then I just that's that's nice. The, the, I had just met John Paul Jones, so I didn't know him at all, but we'd already said hello. And right as I walked up, the three of them were literally like in a straight line as much as you can be while talking. And I got right in the end with Jimmy, and I looked over, <laughs> and as Ross is getting his camera ready, a, a, like a cocktail waitress or so, some, a woman walked by and asked him if he knew anything, and he just started chatting her up for a second. And I was gesturing with hand away from I was like, I couldn't say anything. I couldn't say, take the fucking picture. 
And then, you know, and it was only a five-second interlude, but by the time he looked over at me and put his camera up, John Paul Jones had wandered off, and, and Robert was talking to someone else, and I was just like, God, that was so close. That would have been How good. long was that five seconds, though, at the moment? You know, like, oh, it was, it was an hour. I mean, <laughs> right. it was just like, you know, he went to super slow-motion mode, and then my world was screaming past me, you know. Yeah, no, it was that's, funny. Uh, that's was a good funny. story. But playing with Jimmy was, like I said, it was... I mean, I, I initially the first he sat in with us in '95 in Paris at a gig. He came to a Black Crow show in Paris, uh-huh. and he got up during the encore, and we did like two blues tunes or three, and and that's really your heyday at that point. It was I a good time. The I mean, band was ro- rolling right yeah. then, and um, I th- certainly in Europe that was our heyday. We were we were really doing well everywhere we went over there at that time, and so. He walked out and the place exploded like you would imagine it, you know, like, and then, and he just, we said, all right, you ready? Everybody set? And he looked back at me, like, count us in. And there was a, a total, again, a half second, which felt like a minute where I went, holy shit, man, I need to count this in. What the fuck? What song is this? How does this go? What, what does counting this? mean? Yeah, it was just a complete. What does in mean? <laughs> you know, and. And I didn't have a conscious thought of, this is what it looked like when he looked at Bonham. I mean, none of that shit. It's not like that goofy, but it's just, that's my favorite rock guitarist. And it could have yeah. been, I mean, if my favorite rock guitarist happened to be Billy Squire, and Billy Squire jumped on stage, I'd have to say, you know, it's the same you know, it's, thoughts and feelings. It was yeah. just a personal thing. At that yeah. point in time, that guy had become my guy. And then to meet him, we had met him a month earlier, Me, just meeting him was awesome. And then playing with him, I was like, well, this is really cool. And it didn't go back to, like, childhood stuff, but it was for me as a drummer. Like, right when I bought my first drum kit, that's when I got on Zeppelin. So it meant a lot. But we just counted in, and, and the, but then again, when you're there, once it starts, you're doing what you do. You know, you're right. just a fish swimming. And then at the end of the night, you get back to the room and then just go, what the fuck just happened? You know, that was incredible. But it's a blur you can't, in the end. You, that, can't, you, can't be, you can't be in that headspace when it's happening. Right? Yeah. Or yeah. it's not going to happen twice. Exactly. <laughs> that's true, right? Yeah. That is true. Yeah, no, that's so cool. I mean, uh, that was definitely, I mean, a huge Led Zeppelin fan, huge Black Crows yeah. fan, and just those shows. I think, um, did you ever get to play Atlanta? No. I don't think you ever did. Cause no, I was, the tour got pulled before. And I, was, yeah. I was really bummed and I never about got that. To see I that. was really excited to play you that. You think you can put that back together for me? Yeah. So I can check that let, out. Me, let me, let me yeah. give him a call, see what he's got going on. So, a couple, you know, and I hope you don't... Oh, I was going to say, but... Yeah. but a few years later when we did, uh, that was in 95, and then in 99, we did a one-off thing in London with him. That was mm-hmm. That's what led to the actual tour happening, okay. was this one show. And I do remember, then it was, he had a benefit gig, he needed a band, we were going to be in London then, he called, you know, like, hey, will you, do you want to do this thing with Paige? Yeah. And we, of course, said, yeah, of course. And he said, well, I want to do some Zeppelin songs. And that, that was a bit of a... You know, we all looked at each other like, holy shit, it's one thing to jam on some Elmore James, but, like, let's go do Led Zeppelin songs with Jimmy. That was a... And then the funniest part for me, I just remember, was it came down, he wanted to do Heartbreaker, and immediately you're like, mental Rolodex, okay, I I can fake that. And then it's like, and he wants to do this, like, Lemon Song, okay, that's standard, that's straight blues, and he goes, okay, in my time of dying. And right away I went... Oh mother fucker, oh, you know. Whoa. <laughs> and and the you know, that's one of those, you know, mountaintop tunes. We need some water over you here. Know, and then and then and then I started listening to it really closely, like with headphones, like, okay, what's what exactly is he doing? Because I'm not the most analytical like if I love if I hear a song and I love it, I buy I like almost won't go break down everyone's parts. I right. still love the whole You just wanna listen like, to it. Like I don't yeah. wanna I've never was the guy that wanted to listen to Beatles outtakes. I, right. I don't no, I wanna hear that one. That's yeah. great. You know, yeah. and like Zeppelin all the Live gigs, 
I'd listen to live gigs, but if they didn't sound good, it was like, well, it's just not, you know, it's, there's, yeah, I, I don't know. I just never wanted to look behind the curtain, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm still that way. So listening to like that tune specifically and going to London, we rehearsed it, we played it, it went great, but it was like, you know, that, that was a little nerve wracking. But then by the time later that year, when we went out and actually did shows, you know, I'd f- fully come around to the fact that, wait, this is my whole band. It's not, like I right. said, it's not me joining Jimmy and some other dudes. It's true. This is the Black Crows, and we're playing his tunes, but he's he's with us. I mean, it's like, we're, yeah. we're just six guys already. And so, yeah. that took, there was no, like, pressure. I didn't feel like I had to be Bonham, but it was That's just cool. fun. I could just go up there and do that stuff. And, you know, I think, actually, the live record's really good, but the, the tour the next summer that we got th- those shows I liked better they were more laid back like I was more everybody was more relaxed more comfortable and yeah. we were grooving more I mean the mm-hmm. first one's just like this hamster in a wheel adrenaline shot yeah. which is great yeah and it's fun but when I listen to it all I think really I, I listen to it I think Jesus we are flying right through it relax a little up there settle down guys yeah well you know two things that really jumped out at me when I first heard those albums and you know and I, I'm kind of sitting here doing sort of somewhat what you're talking about I mean I'm not embarrassed to say the Black Crows are my favorite band. I mean, uh-huh. you guys have been, that's what I've always kind of like heard in my head when, when I'm trying to write music. I mean, not that I've ever, I, I my band never sounded like you guys, yeah. but there's there's moments you can hear the influences. Yeah. But we did the background singers and, you know, and, you know, that whole kind of thing. Anyhow, so I'm kind of sitting here doing the same thing, but when I heard those records, that the live stuff for the first time, Two things that stood out to me was Chris, mm-hmm. his voice. I don't think I really knew how great a singer he was mm-hmm. until I heard him doing some of those, um, you know, Robert Plant tunes. Uh-huh. And then your drumming. I mean, that was the other thing that I was like, wow, you know, because you talk about in my time of dying. I mean, that's yeah. no easy feat right. to take on. And my guitar player, Tim, I mean, he maintains that you are with. Not even close. He maintains you're the best guitar. Uh, I'm sorry, best uh, musician in the band, and uh, I I couldn't argue with him. I mean, after hearing that, it mm-hmm. really elevated things. Well, it's funny. I mean, it does help to. It's like, you know, you can't. We can't mess up a Black Crow song because we're the Black Crows. I mean, anything we play on there is what it is. Right. And, right. You know, to go. I, I mean, I'll, I mean, thanks. I, I don't think about it in those kind of terms. I mean, I, I sure. You know, I've always known what everybody is capable of, and, yeah. and it's just when you put it into a different format and different songs that people have an expectation of. I mean, I understand that it's like, oh shit, I didn't get it before. Yeah. You know, and that, so that's cool. But yeah. But it's it's um. That that is like a like I said to me that worked because everybody was dialed in and that was a good again back to a team effort. I don't think about it in terms of what I did. Or just what Chris did, right? You know, I mean, to me, it was just a, it was the most fun I've ever had playing music, because there was there was there was pressure a little, but only, you know, external pressure doesn't phase us. We're always right. we always do it to ourselves, right? And with that one, Jimmy Jimmy was such a big part of all he ever talked about was the spirit. It's like let's just find it, and, and he was having a blast, you know. And cool. you could see him like like when when it when he got moved. You know, he like he just exploded. You know, and you yeah. can see it. He doesn't try to keep. You know, he's not playing Mr. Cool up there. Yeah, he's a very he's a very uh, deliberate guy. And personally, you know, he thinks before he speaks. Mm-hmm. But when he's playing, man, he is just fucking winging it. You know, yeah. going yeah. for it. And he's really nervous before shows. And really? I said to him once, I was like, you know, you're wind, you're winding me up. And he said, well, if you're not nervous, you're not going to do anything. <laughs> and I was like, 
okay, that's huh. pretty good. Pretty good. Let me get nervous. Way to be there. I better get nervous. Because <laughs> the first show, actually, the first show we did it with him in New York at the Rose, what's it called, Roseland. Oh yeah, Roseland. Boy. The very first night, I was I was pretty stressed, and, and I wasn't sleeping at all. More because we'd go in, we'd rehearse with him for four or five hours, and we'd all go out to a bar. Not he wouldn't, but we would all just go out. You know, it was just like we were always laughing, like God damn man, we ten years into our band, and all of a sudden we're in Led Zeppelin. I mean, it was all just a joke, but yeah. it was, we were all really excited and. Had a lot of friends in New York for those shows, and I wasn't getting any sleep. We were just going berserk, and, you know, the first night, we sound checked. We went back, and about an hour and a half before the show, I just fell asleep in the dressing room for, like, an hour, <laughs> He's and, like, which is not now. normal. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, which is not abnormal. I'll take a nap with the best of them. I used to, anyway. Before I had kids, I could nap. I can't nap now that I have kids. Now that I'm right. really tired, I never sleep. Uh, I have a but, three um, and a half month old at home. Now, oh, so yeah, my first. So it's like wow, and you're here. That's yeah. impressive. I know it's pretty good. Thank you, Gina. <laughs> yeah, I was not, I'm not impressed with you. I'm impressed with your wife. Yeah. The, um, but I remember I woke up and and he was like he's just looking at me like Are you really asleep. But I was like yeah, but I felt great then. Then I was like you remember what I told you about being nervous. But <laughs> the uh, but you know but that's that's probably like sometimes when you drink too much coffee your your body goes and you fall asleep. I was probably so nervous I just point. passed out. My yeah. body just shut me down. So. Yeah yeah. Because I was it was pretty exciting. I remember we opened a celebration day and I just remember thinking to myself just. You've got to breathe at some point. Like during in the middle of that song, I was literally like, "I don't, I don't think I've inhaled I since we started." Because <laughs> it was like a weird thing. I'm used to. All, I mean, crowds don't, you know, whatever. That we had done that a million times, but but I would look out and it was like looking at because no one knew what it was. It just was listening. Jimmy Page and the Black Crows. Right. We didn't give a lot of interviews. We didn't say what we were doing. Right. And and of course, the shows sell out in two seconds. And when you think about this, this is still before. I mean, internet's around, no, but it's, like it's not like nothing it is like now. That. So that happening now would be probably bigger in a certain way, don't you think? I mean, as far as, like, the hype. hype yeah, stuff, yeah. But, but for the people that were there, like, when the show opened, you know, we walked out, they're cheering, it's dark on stage, and then he hits that guitar intro to Celebration Day, and when the band kicks in, you know, Chris starts singing, and, and everyone's cheering the crowd, but when the band kicked in and the lights kind of came up, the the vibe in the room and the looks in everyone's faces was it was it was like amazing you know, yeah. like, like people were like because it was a freight train right away I mean we right. were killing it and it yeah. was and people were like holy shit you could see everyone's face yeah the whole place everybody was like you got to be kidding me like, right man you know and 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 that I, I literally there's not too often that you get like literal goosebumps while you're playing but it mm-hmm. happened all the time on those shows because mm-hmm. more just because. I know people care about our music, but I care about Zeppelin music. I'm a fan, too. And when right, you it's watch, a whole different thing. Yeah. You know, like, we never played 10 Years Gone without me. He would play that intro, and, and you just see people's faces in the audience just go from elation to complete bittersweet. You know, they're thinking about, this is my song for 25 years right. or whatever it was at the time. And I'm seeing him play and, it right now. Yeah. And, you know, that's, again, it's harder to see the effect our music has on fans because it's just our, you know... But that was this, that that was what was so special about those shows was one of the many things was just being a part of how much that music means to people. That's awesome. Well, you know, I'm thinking now when you're talking about seeing the faces. All right, this is the end of Steve Gorman interview part one. We broke it into two. We're not going to talk and talk and talk like we did at the We're beginning not. of this. We're just. I just want to. Yeah, you heard enough of us. I just want to say goodbye for now, and we will release part two. Uh, 
very soon. Luckily, in the next day or so. Or a couple days. I, I promise it won't be more than like two days. Right? Is that a good... T- that's a good amount of time. What? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to see what it's like being you listening to me. Listening to because I'm rambling on and <laughs> right. on. See, but I'm I usually you. say something when I stop talking. Right. Or when you stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's true. Um, let's start this over. <laughs> Listen, that was part one. We hope you enjoyed it. No rambling. Enjoy part two. It'll be up soon. It'll be up soon. And uh, what? I, I know. I just keep going on and on and on. <laughs> part two is going to be up soon. Steve Gorman, Brian McClenning. Stay tuned. And save it for the show. show.